we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Tops Market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. And good morning. Welcome to Buffalo What's Next. And today we're going to talk about a very specific part of Buffalo, the Trinidad neighborhood, as a matter of fact. But that's just one part of our conversation today with our guest, Ellen Harris-Harvey. Ellen, good morning and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Jay, and thank you for having me on today. Uh, It is great to have you on. We have so much to talk about. I mean, your experience has, uh, it's really very interesting. But I I do want to start off with talking about uh, the Trinidad Neighborhood Block Club. I, I, I think I think a lot of folks would say, and I'm sure your, your neighborhoods would say, how important block clubs are for the city. And just talk about, first and foremost, just talk about your neighborhood. Talk about the Trinidad Neighborhood. Well, thank you, Jay. Uh, the Trinidad Neighborhood uh, Association Block Club uh, was formed back when the 198th Skajakwita severed the Hamlin Park neighborhoods. And so that's a little part that's cut off on the east side of uh, Humboldt Parkway, which is kind of like a triangle. We call it the Trinidad Triangle. So our neighborhood is a, a close-knit neighborhood. There's eight streets included in that neighborhood, and we have a beautiful park called Trinidad Park there with basketball courts, a clubhouse. And, you know, it's a beautiful neighborhood where residential uh, people live and children play and um I've been there and the president of Trinidad Neighborhood Association since 2018. I was voted in as president. Uh, My predecessor was Charlie Fisher, who was a previous council member at large for the city of Buffalo. So um, our neighborhood, uh, you know, we have issues just like any other neighborhood with empty lots and uh, and sometimes Is it mostly uh, homeowners or are there a certain amount of renters there as well? The renter population is definitely growing. Uh, and also the empty lots, I think that that's something that we need to focus on to make sure that, you know, the land is being used. We do have some people who have planted gardens and purchased the lots that are adjacent to their homes. But, um, you know, there are some blighted streets. Uh, Loring Avenue could definitely use some help near uh, the park where I know they are not homeowners. They are uh, people who own the homes and rent those um, uh, properties out. So and there's a lot of trash and debris and a lot of dumping on our our, our dead end street, which is Oak Grove, that runs to Gillette Avenue, uh, and that's just a dead end that is only one way in and one way out, and that was created when they put in the 198 Skajakwit Expressway Highway. If you want to take a look at where the Trinidad neighborhood is, it like you said, it's almost like a, like a V shape of sorts with Kensington Avenue on the north, and then uh, you've got the um, Skajakwit on one side, and I think some railroad tracks over on the other side yes. as well to make that that sort of V there as well. So, mm-hmm. but you do have the the park, and it is a a, a part of a, of the city of Buffalo that has. A, has had great days. As a matter of fact, uh, we talked to, with Cliff Bell once upon a time about, oh, okay. and he took he took me back. He took me back <laughs> to before the Kensington was in, yes. before the Skajakwita was in. How he, and he told me how he would take his children 
on sleds over to Jefferson Avenue. Well, that's yeah. when you could walk over there. Exactly. Because there was a beautiful park that Olmsted uh, created that went all the way from Delaware all the way down to the Science Museum. At that time, that's the kind of neighborhood it was, but that was all taken out when they put in the Skajakwita 198 and the 33 Expressway. So the some of the projects that are going on right now in the city of Buffalo that I'm working closely, closely with are the Because these are going to impact or could possibly impact and change your neighborhood. Oh, they're definitely going to impact our neighborhood and our livelihood and, you know, and our health and our wealth and, and our future, you know, generations that may still live there. So we're concerned about, you know, these projects and we want to make sure that we have, have a voice in the conversation. Uh, whatever they're, they're trying to do, we need to make sure we're at the table so that we can, you know, input whatever we feel our neighborhood needs for this project to do and and, and how they're going to complete it and, and to make sure we're not left out of that conversation. And the biggest one right off the bat, of course, is the, the plan or the, the, the working process working of changing the 198. Yes. Which is something that I think... Not everybody yet is on board with making that change, unfortunately. I think it's coming. I th- would you agree it's coming, right? I definitely agree that it's coming, and I do. You know, part of the plan, I, I think, is a really viable plan because it's going to uh, restore and, you know, con- reconnect our neighborhoods. Um, the concern I have mainly is for the residents who live adjacent to Humboldt Parkway um, that have been left out of the conversation because, you know, we are we do live there. It's not just going to be a road because people need to be uh, considered because they're going to be affected by every aspect of this project when it when it breaks ground. So, what about from uh, now? Like we said, it's a process, so it's always evolving. But some of the neighbors, what are they saying? What would they like that transformation of the one ninety eight? How would they like to see that integrated with the Trinidad neighborhood? What what could be done to help out Trinidad and at the same time, like we said, connect to what could be a really transformational project for the city of Buffalo? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, a lot of the feedback that we had at our last meeting, we actually held a third meeting with the GBNRTC, which is the uh, state organization that is writing the plan for this 198 a project before it goes to the DOT from the state. Um, and our residents, you know, really voiced concerns. Uh, the Niagara Waterkeeper, uh, we had some re- people from that organization there. Uh, the Olmstead Parks Conservancy was there and the OCC. So um, people want to make sure that everything is reconnected, but we want to make sure the preservation happens, that we have green spaces and walkable areas, and that they don't forget to reconnect the the, the people on both sides of that Humboldt Parkway and restore the neighborhoods and not just, you know, the neighborhoods, but, you know, the commerce and make sure that jobs are created and that they restore our neighborhoods the way that we see fit and that, you know, properties values will go up definitely with this project. But we want to just make sure that they're taking care of the people first and the community at large. And I know you've worked hard to uh, make sure that the neighborhood's taken care of. I was impressed by the uh, the level of participation for your Earth Day cleanup. Oh, thank you so much. And our partners at Sisters of Charity Hospital right there in our Trinidad neighborhood, our uh, pillar in our neighborhood, they have been supporting Trinidad Neighborhood Association uh, for years, and our partnership has grown. And I'm just so thankful that we had the, the success that we had on this past Earth Day cleanup. We had even the president of the organization came out and picked up a bag and a shovel, uh, um, uh, President 
President Chang. So we were so happy that he came out. We have a wonderful working relationship with them, and they donate to our community days. And, you know, and actually we we hold our meetings there. My monthly meeting is held at Sisters Hospital okay. the third Monday every month in the Merillac room on the first floor. So that's a wonderful space that they allow us to bring our neighborhood, you know, residents in to have our monthly meetings. So they have been uh, endless support for the Trinidad Neighborhood Association uh, and just thankful for the growth in the relationship. And don't forget, Sisters Hospital is celebrating their 175th anniversary this year. Always part of the neighborhood for all those years, right? Yes, and they, you know, they're the first hospital. That's right. And they invited me to be on the advisory committee for the planning of that. So I'm just uh, so grateful, you know, for the partnership and the connection uh, to the people there because they're like family. Going back to the Earth Day cleanup, um, talk about what, just, you know, go through it. I mean, you know, you look online, it looks like a fun event. You see the pictures and everybody's taking it. But, you know, like you said, there's a certain amount of trash in every neighborhood. And your neighborhood, because of the the dead-end streets and such, probably... Mm -hmm. You know, you get maybe a little bit more in some ways. Uh, what about what you, what you guys uh, uncovered as you were working through the neighborhood? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, at Trinidad Park is one of the focus areas that we started right at the park. That's where we met. And I don't know if people know, but where that fence line is from the Kensington Bridge is Trinidad Park all the way to the 33198 Exchange, which is a dead-end street at Gillette Avenue, which connects to Oak Grove. That is always a blighted area. There's always trash blown up against that fence, which has the railroad tracks right across from that. And the railroad um, conditions is always horrible. They don't clean up that area. They never, you know, make sure that that's kept up. So we can see that visibly from the park when kids are playing on the swings and when we have our community day at the clubhouse. So that's a project that I have been working on too to to commission for a sound barrier wall or some type of, you know, aesthetically pleasing uh, wall that would cover that blight and and so that we could have a more pleasing uh, aesthetic in our neighborhood when people are in that park area and also to help with the sound because when that train comes through our neighborhood we're like a little triangle you said v right. but it's like a little triangle, triangle if you draw it on yes. the map yep. and so when when the train comes through houses vibrate and i've had cliff bell's wife tell me uh, quite a few times that we need to do something about those railroad tracks and that and that you know that train and look at all the tra- train derailments they've had that needs to be something that needs to be looked at and studied and, you know, doing some environmental studies on and address that in small neighborhoods like ours because I'm sure it causes some type of pollution, you know, from the, you know, emissions from the train and, and, and the cars coming from the 198 as well. So there's always a factor that's going to affect your health. And, of course, uh, the Kensington remake, that looks like it's also – a lot of money's being put aside and into Absolutely. that. Absolutely, a one point two million dollars from Governor Hochul, and a fifty-five million uh, recently from um, Pete Buttigieg, who came to uh, award that money to the thirty-three Expressway project. What do you think and, about it? Um, well, I think that it's a viable project as well because I think if they would have rethought it fifty years ago when they put it in, <laughs> right. they would have thought of a tunnel instead of you know displacing all of that beautiful parkway. And when you go to New York City and places like that, you see all these tunnels, and they're preserving something when they put a tunnel in because they had the forethought to you know make sure that they didn't destroy something that was viable for the community and the and the residents. So. So you're all aboard on it. 
I'm actually, you know, I'm bought into that plan and that project because it looks like the DOT has been working diligently, you know, with the engineering firm um, to make sure the plan and the people are at the table, making sure that it's something that it's going to be a lasting uh, a correction, if you will, for the you know, what happened 50 years ago when they put it in. Because back then, they were just trying to get people from the airport to downtown. But I think they forgot about the people who lived in between. Right. Yes, that does <laughs> uh, seem to be the case uh, for sure, yeah. doesn't it? Ellen Harris-Harvey is our guest this morning on uh, Buffalo What's Next. Another project that I know you your group is getting involved in is the uh, Eastside Bike Trails uh, project, which is also another exciting thing and one that, you know— for so long, this area, you, you've lived here a, a long time like I have, and for so long it seemed like we'd talk about plans, but they didn't necessarily come to fruition. But uh, these seem to be making some headway. What about the, the, the bike trails project? Well, yes, I actually was asked to be a part of the advisory committee um, a little bit over a year ago for the Eastside Bike Trails with Go Bike, and I answered the call to that because they wanted community leaders to, you know, give opinions that are in the Eastside neighborhoods that are going to be affected by, you know, this plan that they're putting together to restore spaces, to to build a trail that will, you know, take you from the east side all the way out to, you know, far out from the city. So, you know, uh, William Gator Parkway is one of the main focuses of that trail and, and that neighborhood and the Kensington Avenue and, and Bailey Avenue, all those are included in this uh, plan that they have put together to, you know, help people be able to bike their way and walk their way in a, in a, in a space that, you know, is inviting and inclusive of, you know, people being able to not just drive a car. But I think we're getting back to, too, uh, taking care of our environment. Whenever you put something in place that's going to be something that's going to uh, give you exercise and, mm-hmm. and, and mobility and be able to get out there in nature and be able to, you know, realize, you know, our creation and the things, the green spaces that, that are put there for us to enjoy, that's, that's bringing something back to our environment. So we have to come back and take care of, you know, what we're given this environment because climate change is real. I feel it's real. I don't know about anybody else, but that winter storm in December, <laughs> you know, it threw me for a loop because I moved here in 1977 and didn't get to experience the blizzard of 77, but I've been here ever since. So that storm right there proved, I think, that, you know, we need to make sure that we're taking care of our environment and 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 when we're thinking about you know our our neighborhoods and our communities and the people who live there we need to make sure we have restoration at the forefront because restoring communities and 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 giving us spaces where we can make sure that we taking care of our health will take care of our wealth right because health is health, but wealth, you know, we, if, we, if we don't have health, what's the system having wealth, right? Absolutely. So I, I thank God for the Eastside Bike Trails connections because it's going to connect communities. And they also have a plan to, you know, make sure they put some historic landmarks yeah. along the way. I saw that. That was yes. a, That's an interesting uh, element about that. I was I wanted to bring that up, and thank you for, for reminding me of that. Mm-hmm. So, and we want to, the, the focus, or at least the push that I was seeing, we want this to be about how that, neighborhood has evolved right exactly we're not necessarily looking back to want to 
know what's happened in the War of 1812. There's plenty of that everywhere else. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we're a little bit more progressive than that, right? So, um, yes, I think, you know, bringing the people from the community to the conversation, from the block clubs and, you know, the leaders who are you know in the community, Hamlin Park, Stephanie Barbara Jeter, and uh, Norfolk Block Club uh, Number 1 uh, with Angie Leverett and, and that family over there, because I look at block clubs as family. Okay. And, you know, Buffalo, the city of Buffalo, I don't know if you know it, but I think we have more block clubs than than any city. We are one of the biggest block club promoters because block clubs bring people together to be able to voice their concerns to make positive change. So I think that collective effort that uh, Go Bike and Eastside Trails did to bring us to the table really highlighted some things that they probably would have never thought of. Right. As far as the people that need to be recognized, the historians and the African-Americans who, you know, uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of today because of the, the sacrifices they made and, and, and also the contributions that they made to our community. You know, we can't forget William Gator. We can't forget Johnny B. Wiley. We can't forget those people who, you know, paved the way for us to have, you know, uh, opportunities, job growth, you know. And, and build health and wealth at the same time. And uh, I'm glad you brought up a couple of names there involved. I mean, are you're hearing more about that? People say, you know, hey, we can't forget so-and-so. Or we can't forget such-and-such such episode. Are there examples of that as well? Well, yes, absolutely. And I think some of the um, the um, the project and the people that they chose to be able to and make additions to that trail to highlight, you know, uh, their their legacy and their contributions to the community at large is going to really, you know, uh, open some people's eyes about black history in the city of Buffalo because there's so much rich African-American history in the city of Buffalo. And I'm actually a part of a, a Buffalo African-American Museum project with Clifford Bell, and I'm on the board for that. And um, that has been a project that's been ongoing, and he actually you know, commissioned and worked diligently to get the bust of Martin Luther King put in Martin Luther King Park. So and that's an effort that I've been working uh, towards and with um, that organization on to, to make sure we highlight this Buffalo African American Museum and the work that Mr. Bell and, you know, his colleagues have been doing over countless years to highlight that park and to make sure, you know, the legacy of MLK is, is lifted up in the city of Buffalo and also uh, the African-American Heritage Corridor where you have the Wuffo radio station, right. you have the uh, um, uh, Michigan Street Baptist Church, you have, you know, the Nash House and all of these connective African-American pillars of our history. You know, we make we need to make sure that we highlight that in the city of Buffalo and that we don't forget. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we have a mayor Mayor Byron Brown, who really, you know, worked diligently to make sure that that didn't get forgotten, that it got lifted up, and that they, you know, funding has been appropriated to that. And Terry Alford is the executive director there uh, in the quarter. And I'm thankful for all the people who work hard and have not, you know, given up the fight to make sure we uplift those African Americans who paved the way, you know, Harriet Tubman, all those people who, you know, are responsible for our freedoms that we, you know, realize today. And I'm glad, glad you mentioned the African-American Heritage Corridor. I've, a lot of resources has, have gone into that, and it's it's looking great for sure. Oh, yeah. At the same time, do you feel like Buffalo's black history has, throughout your years here, has it been given that 
that uh, that spotlight that it deserves? No, I think, you know, that's why I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for Mayor Brown because, you know, of his heart to make sure that that didn't get left behind in his administration. You know, he's been mayor, I think this is his fifth term. This is his fifth term. And, um, you know, it, it took years to get to this point. But, you know, the partnerships and, you know, his leadership to make sure that we, you know, navigate the system and, and connect to, you know, agencies and affiliate ourselves with people who, you know, want to take on the fight with us. People that don't just look like me, people that look like you, Jay, right? Well, I, you know, I hope and, there aren't and, too many you know, like that. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what? And, and uh, in our country, you know, we're a, a ray of colors and, you know, races, colors, and creeds. But when we come together with one common goal, we can achieve anything, right? I like that. Yes. That's a note that we're going to end on. We'll go to a break. We'll come back and talk with uh, uh, more with Ellen Harris Harvey here on Buffalo What's Next. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Did you know that WNED PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch? Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate. And that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. While you're there, check out the show pages and many websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at wned.org slash local shows. Don't miss Fresh Air with Terry Gross, weekdays at 7 p.m. on WBFO. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. Ellen Harris-Harvey is our uh, guest this morning, president of the Trinidad Neighborhood Block Club. Ellen, um, we've been talking about Trinidad, and we want to most certainly get back to that. But your resume is uh, is pretty amazing. <laughs> There's Thank you, Jay. A, absolutely, <laughs> you know. And I'll just take a moment because I like to talk any chance I get to other radio hosts, and you were a radio host here in Buffalo. Yes, I was at actually. Uh, WFO Wolfo, Yeah. That WUFO, when they were still FM, actually. I started on LaSalle Avenue when the studios were over there. I was helping out uh, Uncle Sonny Means and Miss uh, uh, one of our uh, uh, prominent gospel singers in the city of Buffalo, Gussie Mitchell, with her show when they moved to Broadway. I also helped her out there. And then the Lord said to me one day, you can do this. So I walked into radio um, with a show called Spiritual Connections Outreach Ministry, which I began a half an hour segment at first. And then I grew it into a one hour show on Wednesdays um, at one o'clock. So, you know, it, it was a really great run. It started uh, July 16th, 2014, went live in the studios 
Every show was live. Wow. It was taped. <laughs> uh, but I did have some support from one of my prayer warriors and, and mothers in Christ, uh, Miss Louise Johnson, who has gone on to be with the Lord. But I thank God for the radio ministry, Spiritual Connections, because I was able to reach out to people and, and encourage them to get connected and stay connected to God. It actually was a radio ministry that was formed, you know, out of and birthed out of my desire to, you know, encourage folks that, you know, we do have hope and don't lose hope and, and, and don't lose sight of who you are. Because if you're here, there's a purpose. So you just have to find your purpose and walk in it. And your gifts shall discover who you are. No you, matter and take you very far. Spiritual connections. I like that. So you're connecting with people. I mean, we talked about it a little before we went on the air about how you do hear, right, from people who are listening. You, sometimes yes. it surprises you how, how many people are, are listening and how impactful it is. But now we're, you know, we're getting into something deeper. So what, have, what were some of the, the, the connections you made? And maybe people who found you and found something higher because of you know, working through your, your, your radio show. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm so thankful for the partnership with the Baptist Ministers Conference, uh, which at that time, uh, Mark Blue was the president, uh, Reverend Mark Blue, and I actually had him as guest on my show several times. So he was a supporter, and he donated to the show, and I'm thankful for that connection because, you know, um, when you're doing a ministry like that, you want to make sure that, uh, you connect to those people who can lift you up and and encourage you because I was encouraging other people, but some and I also need that encouragement as well. So that was one uh, wonderful connection, and also uh, another pastor uh, that I had, that uh, Pastor Spite. He's going on to be with the Lord. He was a guest on my show as well, and he also had his own radio show at Wuffo. And, and it was just a wonderful connection to the pastors and the churches in the city of Buffalo and those people who would tune in to be encouraged daily by the scriptures that would be read, by the Bible trivia that went forth because I had people call in and, you know, they would win a prize if they got the trivia question correct. And I had sponsors. Um, back then it was, uh, what was the video store back then? That closed oh, Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> yes, I had, yeah, I had uh, you know. So, so it was, you know, it was a wonderful, I had actually a spa that gave away spa packages on my show. So I did have some sponsorships and, you know, and people that really appreciated listening to the show. And, uh, it, you know, those connections and those people calling back and to say how they were encouraged that day and how it helped them through the day. And they were driving in their car and they're like, oh, my God, you know, this really helped me through my day. Thank you for 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 uplifting me. So I thank God for those connections and and and, and for whatever uh, people might have heard that made them want to continue on and, and, and have a po- and be a positive force, because, you know, positivity is everything. You right. seem to have a, have it in uh, plenty, <laughs> plentiful <laughs> amount here, Helen, for sure. Well, Positivity. Hey, you know what? Li- life is for living, and and when you give back, you receive back, and and that's a principle I I really firmly believe in. Uh, you know, in the Word of God, and it says, "Give, and it shall be given to you." Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And when you give in with your heart without looking for anything in return, that's when you receive your blessings. You know, that's when, you know, you can see things happen in your, in your life when you give to others. You know, things will happen to you that you didn't expect. Miracles happen every day. Uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing this personal piece of information about you about one 
miracle, I would say, or a kidney transplant, right? Yes, yes. Yes, and a lot of people don't know about that, but, um, you know, I was diagnosed after I went to uh, Seattle. After I finished my radio show in December, I went out to Seattle, Washington, January 1st, 2018, to help my daughter out uh, because she was taking a job with the University of Washington, and she had three children, a a five-month-old baby, um, and a six-year-old, and then a 12-year-old. So I went out there to help her out for six months, because her husband couldn't go at the time. And when I came back home um, to Buffalo six months later and went to my doctors, I found out that I was, you know, into kidney failure. So um, that was 2018, the fall. I started, you know, doing what I needed to do to try, try to make lifestyle changes to prolong that, you know, diagnosis. But, you know, when you have a kidney disease that's progressive like that, polycystic kidney disease is, you know, it's, you know, no respecter of person. So is there anything, I mean, anything could have been done to... There's to no a, cure for that yeah. disease right now. They're, you know, been working, you know, research has been being done for years, but it's a hereditary disease that, you know, has been passed down in my family with all my siblings. So, you know, we've all been suffering with this for years once we found out what our diagnosis was. But in that year, I got all the testing done and, um, you know, went to the doctors and actually got on the uh, transplant list in Rochester at Strong Memorial uh, in uh, the spring of 2019. And then in the fall, later on, I got on the list at Emory University Hospital because I had relatives who lived there. Two brothers were already on dialysis, suffering from the same disease. And um, that was in uh, May of 2019. And then in November of 2019, actually October, I, I, they wanted me to go on dialysis, mm-hmm. but my doctor said they were they were actually leveling off. So I thank God I didn't have to go on dialysis. But in November, I got a um, email from a lady on Grand Island who wanted to donate me a be a living donor, wow, and give me her kidney. And also my son tested at Rochester Memorial, but he wasn't able to give me one of his kidneys. I had two kidney offers within. Uh, uh, November of 2019, and in December of 2019, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, visiting my brother who was on dialysis, I got a call from Emory University Hospital the night before we were to fly back to Buffalo, and they had the gift of life for me. So I was there for two months after the transplant, came home New Year's Day 2020. Then we stayed there for two months in Atlanta. My, my son stayed there with me. He actually was in Brooklyn working as a project manager, uh, uh, but he took time off from his job to take care of me in Atlanta for two whole months, came back to Buffalo, and then COVID happened. <laughs> 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 but that's a miracle story, and I hope that it encourages somebody that might be suffering from kidney disease. Don't give up hope. Don't ever, you know... Uh, Give up on yourself because there's always a way around it. I thank God that I worked diligently to, to on my own behalf to make sure I got on the list and, you know, put myself, you know, in a position where I was able to be able to get the gift of life instead of going on dialysis. Our guest this morning on Buffalo What's Next, Ellen Harris-Harvey. She's the uh, president of the Trinidad Neighborhood Block Club. We've gotten into some neighborhood issues. Um, we most certainly want to return to that. But there are a couple other things I also want to touch upon in your resume here. Uh, membership chair at the NAACP Buffalo branch. You mentioned uh, Reverend Blue, of course, the president yes. of it as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about your work with the NAACP. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that organization uh, and having a local branch in the city of Buffalo uh, for the uh, NAACP branch here. And thankful for our president, Blue, and, and um, his wife, uh, Angela Blue. Uh, you know, he's also a minister and a pastor at Second Baptist Church in Lackawanna. And they're, you know, really actually a family to me hmm. uh, because their their son, uh, is actually my, one of my my son's best friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, they went to Syracuse University uh, together. And uh, so they're like family, but the NAACP organization in the city of Buffalo, we're trying to grow this organization and increase our reach, increase our you know ability to be able to work the committees that we have uh, within the organization. We have an environmental committee. We have a health committee. We have uh, um, a housing committee. And I'm actually the chair of the membership committee, but uh, we have a civic engagement committee that, you know, tries to make sure people get out there and vote and register people. So, you know, we're doing boots on the ground work with this organization and, and, you know, growing is, you know, once we grow it, we can make more change. So we were looking for people to join. You can go on to our website, uh, buffaloncp.org and join for $30 a year, get involved, you know, get engaged in your community. And with the 514 mm. uh, tragedy, tops tra- tragedy looming at the one year uh, anniversary that's coming up next week, you know, on Mother's Day, uh, we need to think about our children's future and what we can contribute to, you know, assisting us to make sure that we're making those uh, connections and, and being able to uh, um, get out there and, and encourage our young people to get involved in government, get involved in, in the environment, get involved in the things that are positive and going to make a positive impact on the lives of the of their children, right? Because we think about our children and what are we going to leave them? What legacy are we going to have that we can say that we did the good that we did to try to make sure that they're in a good place when we can no longer be here? The NAACP, of course, uh, has done such great work in helping with civil rights and promoting civil rights as well. But I don't necessarily want to dive into this too much, but you brought up 514. What was it like for the membership? You know, like we said, in some ways, everything goes so far, and then something like this happens right here in our community. Um, well, first for me, I, I thought about the lives. I thought about the senselessness of an act like that just because of the color of your skin. You know, and, you know, it, it's just been a cancer for so many years, racism, discrimination, redlining, you know, uh, and, you know, bigotry. All these things are, you know, dividing our society. And, we didn't see that happen at 514. You saw a city of, city of good neighbors come together and embrace each other in love, in prayer, and in commitment to do better. And we saw people come. I know there was a lot of probably folks that we didn't want to see in that neighborhood because a lot of that, you know, might have been people trying to, you know, gain from it. But, right. you know. I look at it in a positive light because it brought us closer together. Because if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger. So I think we're stronger. We are resilient people. And um, with the NAACP being here, I think that strengthened our, you know, organization. And people are coming in and they're joining because they want to make a difference. They want to, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, these type of things aren't able to happen. And we have, have to make sure we put the, those fail safes in place so that, 
people can't just come into our neighborhoods and we, we have to be more aware, mental awareness and, you know, uh, mental health counseling. All these different things are so important for societies like our east side of Buffalo. So a lot of those resources that may not have been there before are coming. Are they going to be there? And that's, I think, a commitment of the administration of the mayor and other organizations across the city of Buffalo, across the nation that are reaching out to help us. All the donations that came in, those monies are going to be earmarked to help people survive and thrive and, 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 you know, continue to live a life that they feel has value. On a larger view of this, is there a sense within your NAACP membership that progress is still being made or have we stalled a little bit? Well, well, you know, I can't speak for it like our national, but I know, you know, here at our local branch, you know, uh, our president, he's working and he's on so many different committees and boards and, and he's always out there, boots on the ground. He does food giveaways at his church in Lackawanna. We're always, you know, trying to make sure we're giving back the resources to the community and making sure people have you know, are aware of what's available to them. That's one key. We have to make sure we don't have food deserts. We have to make sure that people have, you know, uh, you know, the jobs and employment and, and, and you know, entrepreneurs that want to, you know, build their own businesses. Those things are important to us. We can't just uh, keep the same standard. We have to raise our standards in order to elevate our minds. And, and 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 our position in society. You all, like we said, we do. Uh, you've done a lot of different things, uh, <laughs> Ellen. Yeah. Ellen, for sure. Uh, let's uh, maybe just get into uh, some of the work. I see you're on the board of trustees for the community music school. I am. Which, of course, has moved to the east side it in the last couple of is years. It Maston District yes. now, right in the heart of Hamlin Park on East Delavan Avenue. It is a beautiful space. And I have been connected to the Community Music School of Buffalo since it uh, was on the west side of Buffalo on Elmwood Avenue uh, since 19—I don't want to give my age away, <laughs> but I actually took uh, uh, voice uh, instruction there because my— aspiration in life was to be a famous singer ah. when I came here from West Virginia. Uh, so I, I pursued that. And, you know, I've been singing in church and singing all my life since I was, you know, uh, in church as a child. They always called on me to do the solos because uh, I was a mezzo-soprano. But community you know, music if I had known that, we would have had you prepare a couple of pieces for us. Today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> on, the, on the cuff, off the cuff. Uh, but I, I'm thankful for Jennifer Gullo. She is the executive director there, and she's uh, worked her way up at that organization to that level uh, of running the organization. And she, you know, was uh, instrumental in helping them move to the east side and acquire that space. And since I've been, you know, a partner with that organization oh, uh, since 1980. Well, um, I, you know, I just, you know, that's a love of my music is life, right? Music really is a re restorative thing if you think about it. And, you know, just like when you wake up in the morning and you take your first breath, that's restorative too, right? Music is life. Music can restore, you know, when you're feeling bad, if you put on a nice song, something that uplifts you. And and so for me, you know, when she invited me to be on the board there, I, you know, I was, you know, I was humbled and and thankful, and you know, 
excited about the opportunity to be able to assist them in any way I could and, and help their growth on the east side. And they are growing and flourishing and, you know, uh, adding instructors and music uh, um, teachers. So it's a blessing for the east side of Buffalo. They offer free jazz lessons. And, you know, you need to check them out at cms.org. Uh, Org, I think it is. It's Community it's Music School of Buffalo. And, you know, it's interesting. I did, uh, I did have a chance to go over there and get a tour uh, a few months back, and a, a big part of the conversation was not only are we or is the Community Music School on the East Side now, but a real effort to reach out into the East Side community. Is it? Uh, are they seeing the, the response? Are people embracing the opportunities there? Absolutely, has been. Uh, exponential growth there from the African-American community. And surprisingly, the older uh, population of people want to come and take lessons and realize some of the dreams that they had that they put on the back burner and wanted to, you know, play an instrument or, you know, be able to sing in a group, things like that. So, you know, when you come together in a group like that, a group setting, you 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 form connections and you and you form bonds with people and like I said, music is life. So and it's therapeutic too. They also have music therapy there, so it's wonderful for our children and the school age children, because my daughter actually played an instrument in high school, the trombone. Whoa. So did my son. She went to Hutch Tech. My son went to uh, McKinley. Uh, and so I think music needs to be brought back full force because. I think it gives ch- children an outlet and an avenue to expend some of that energy in a positive way. Well said. Well said for sure. Uh, Ellen Harris-Harvey is our guest on Buffalo What's Next this morning. We've got a lot more to get into here before uh, we say goodbye at 11 o'clock. The hour is flying by, isn't it, Ellen? Yes, it is, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen is the president of the Trinidad Neighborhood Black Cup. We'll talk a few more neighborhood uh, issues as well when we come back. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. Hi, it's Robin Young from NPR's Midday News Magazine Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine Here and Now. Listen to Here and Now, weekdays at 1 p.m. Travel is one of life's great rewards, and there's always something new to see and experience when you travel the world like I do. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Join me as we get better acquainted with the world each week on Travel with Rick Steves. Together, we'll explore fascinating sights, discover amazing food, and make new friends from near and far. Your radio is the only passport you'll need. Join us for Travel with Rick Steves, Sunday afternoons at 1 on 88.7 FM WBFO. On June 17, 2015, a racist gunman opened fire inside the Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, killing nine people. Similar to Buffalo's racist mass shooting on May 14, 2022, the victims were in a place they felt safe. They were elders in the community, and the attack came after the gunman spent some time in the presence of the victims. This tragedy not only ties our communities together, but it can also provide a roadmap for what healing looks like for a city that is just beginning its journey. Don't miss Buffalo and Charleston, a parallel journey of hope, healing, and reconciliation. Special week of coverage on Buffalo What's Next, Monday, May 8th to Friday, May 12th at 10 a.m. on WBFO. And listen to a special Producers Picks episode on May 5th that showcases the reporter's experience of visiting Charleston. 
This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Ellen Harris-Harvey, our guest on Buffalo What's Next. A few more minutes with the president of the Trinidad Neighborhood Block Club. And you know, the thing about Ellen, she is involved in so many different things. I mean, you, know, you just pulled out a flyer. I didn't even see that. What do, what do you have here? Well, I have. Um, actually, I'm employed at Olmstead Conserv- Parks Conservancy part-time as a front desk ad- administrator. And I support the executive staff, um, all of the parks personnel, you know, and, and the management who are out there in the field doing work in all of our Olmstead Park systems. And I just wanted to uh, make sure I didn't forget about our Derby Day fundraiser hmm. coming up on Saturday, May 6, 2023, from 5.30 to 8 p.m. You're all invited to this inaugural Derby Day fundraiser, the Terrace at Delaware Park, 199 Lincoln Parkway. Tickets for individuals are 125 a pair is 225 And come out and enjoy uh, a a nice time at Derby Day and support the Olmstead Parks Conservancy in our mission to make sure we keep our parks clean and safe for you to enjoy. And also right there in the Trinidad neighborhood, of course, is Trinidad Park. Yes. A place I, ha- I can honestly say I've never had a chance to visit. I'm sorry. Well, we'll, we'll have to change you, that. We'll Thank invite you. you to our community day. How about that? I would love that. Yes, we normally have that in the fall. We have a cookout for the neighborhood, uh, and, and we have giveaways. We have vendors, So and we have backpack giveaways for back to school. So nice. we always try to, you know, uh, position that around back to school to give back to the community in the in the um in that time in September. And also, I wanted to just let you know that since I've been the president of the Trinidad Neighborhood Association, um, I've been able to acquire over $12,000 in funding and grant monies that I applied for to beautify our neighborhood and our park. And the first grant funding I received from the City of Buffalo, Love Your Block Mini Grant Program, which was sponsored through Cities of Service, and I received $1,500 that year. And uh, consecutive years, and with a total of $3,500 from the city of Buffalo, which helped us put a beautiful mural, which I call the Rainbow Project, ah. on the building. There's two I saw that in the pictures that you showed me yes. from the cleanup day. Okay, that's yes. that mural. So oh, very nice. Rainbow that's project. right at the park. It's right. It's on the clubhouse building, okay. which uh, Trinidad uh, Neighborhood Association, I have the keys to that building, so I manage that building. And we have meetings there and, and functions there. But there's a basketball court on one side and then a playground on the other side and then fields and just open space and then that railroad is right behind the building <laughs> which we talked about earlier so it's a beautiful mural on two sides of the building which um you know it just was an aesthetic improvement which which made me you know want to do this because it would draw people to the park and make people feel welcome just to see something colorful on that building murals are life you know and Art I, is life. I, I I totally agree with that, and you're most certainly that's one of the great uh, developments in the city of Buffalo and in the east side more specifically. The, the oh, murals that are popping up. The murals up, are yeah. everywhere, and I think people are doing that because it really adds value and it adds you know aesthetic uh, you know a comfort. When you if you ride by that, you're like, wow, that's just nice. 
you know? Absolutely. And, and I just don't want to forget to thank uh, Chairwoman April Baskin because she was, has been instrumental in always appropriating funding to make sure we have what we need in the Neighborhood Association and also Council Member uh, Ulysses Wingo from the Maston District. He's also, you know, been, uh, you know, uh, 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 firm um, support of the Trinidad Neighborhood Association. So I thank those and Sisters Hospital. I can't thank them enough for all the support and, and you know, how they always show up and are always there for us, you know, to support Trinidad Neighborhood and this association. And National Grid actually came into the fold the last community day and, and donated for the first time that I know of to the association. You know, Ellen, uh, you, you name all these names. I would like to look inside that contact list on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, I can find anybody in there. Probably. Hey, uh, I just want to I know elections are coming up. Uh, the primary day is coming up in uh, in June. And of course, that'll be in many ways the de facto election for common council. And I don't necessarily want to get into the politics other than from you in your standpoint as a member of one of the key block clubs inside the Maston District. What issues do you want to see addressed by the candidates? Well, um, we do have four candidates mm-hmm. who have been placed on the ballot. I know that one was endorsed by the uh, Erie County Democratic Party. Um, and I, I believe that we need to ensure that any candidate that's running for office um, to be able to appropriate funding and to be able to, you know, hear our voices and be willing to hear our voices and, and our concerns about our community. We need to make sure we vet that person, that they are really uh, a community leader and a person who has been, you know, in that community and a part of that that system of that community to be able to know the needs of the people. If you didn't grow up in that area and you didn't grow up in that neighborhood and you don't have any experience in government, how will you govern and how will you be able to, you know, lead that, um, that district to, to, you know, to be able to grow it? So for me, you have to make sure that you your policies are correct, that you're listening to the people, that you engage the community, and that you reach out to block club leaders and community uh, uh, organizations and folks that live in that neighborhood, and that you're already working in the neighborhood. If I don't see that you've been contributing in that neighborhood, because I do so much in my neighborhood. I, I can and, tell them. And, and I actually, you know, I really don't, you know, talk about it a lot. I think for me, I just do the work. I, I put myself into the work because talking is one thing, but doing is another. It's just like you can be a preacher in a pulpit and, and talk about the scriptures all day, but what are you living? Right. For me, talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. So for me, the candidate has to be somebody who I feel I can trust their word. And for me... You know, there's always one, right? There's always one candidate. So if I can trust you and if I can believe you and if you have a record, uh, a proven record of success and also connection to those people in the neighborhood and, and a, you know, a track record of being able to be a listener and just not a talker, I, I you know, I, I have to, you know, think about putting my vote in for you. Okay. And just curious from uh, your standpoint, is it active right now? Is it a real active campaign? You mentioned there's four uh, yes. people involved. Uh, is it? Are you seeing it on the streets? You're seeing it at the door fronts? Is that what we were oh, seeing? Oh, yes. Well, yes. People were knocking doors and coming to, you know, get the signatures, you know, when all this started. So are you encouraged by that, though, that level of activity? I am encouraged because I think I think people want change. 
People want to see change on the east side of Buffalo. I want to see change on the east side of Buffalo, right? I want to see change in Trinidad neighborhood. I'm not doing this for nothing. You know, the work that we do, we have an expected end that we, expectations that we have in our own minds, you know, and if we can help those to come to fruition by the work that we're doing, then our work is done. And that's why I want to make sure people come into the conversations and include folks. We can't exclude folks. No matter who you are, no matter what you might feel against a person, everybody's, you know, has a different thought about an idea. So when we put them together collectively, we can come up with an, a solution for the, a lot of the problems that we face. We can't exclude folks. Whether that person wronged you or not, we have to invite them to the conversation. And then just kind of switching gears or kind of circling back to something we touched upon earlier, and like you said, about bringing people into conversation, the the conversation about the 198, about the Skajakwita. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit here. Make sure we, we hit home here what you think people can do to get involved and uh, try to make a difference on that project because that, as I mentioned earlier, can't has the potential of being a transformational project for the city. Absolutely. The 33 Expressway project is getting closer to breaking ground every day, and I'm thankful I was invited to the Rock organization to be a part of those meetings and that conversation to be able to, you know, uh, you know, have my collective thoughts at the table. This 198 Expressway project and the 33 project are connected. They're they're happening almost simultaneously. The conversation. So we the 198 is not as far and close to being breaking ground, but we need to make sure we are not left out, and we are inviting people to come to our next community conversation. Uh, the date is to be announced with the GBNRTC and the uh, Olmstead Parks Conservancy, the OCC, the Niagara Waterkeeper, and also Clean Air Coalition. I forgot to mention them. Chris Morosky was there at our, my last two meetings. So it's important that we take care of our environment and make sure that these projects that are up and coming in the city of Buffalo are viable and something that the community he really buys into and, and feels that it's going to be a benefit to the people who live in that neighborhood. I know, and I, this is something I touched on a little bit earlier, but there has been that historical sense in our time here in Buffalo that some of these things don't happen, or if they do happen, they miss the mark. Yes. Are you confident that you're going to get, A, the participation that you're looking for, and B, when that participation occurs, that you're going to be listened to? Well, Jay, I'm working towards that end, right? And this community conversation on the Route 198 was initiated by myself and the Trinidad Association. Because um, you were kind of maybe not left out a little bit at the start, well, right? Well, yes, and I felt like our Trinidad Triangle kind of was left out of the conversation. Um, not myself, but my residents. Sure. So I, that's why I wanted to make sure the invitation was extended to anybody who lives adjacent to Humboldt Parkway who's going to be a part of that one-road project. We're looking at the 33 and the 198 as a one-road project because the people live all the way up to Parkside Avenue, right? right. Trinidad ends at Maine, uh, well, Kensington, right? Kensington at the 198, but that goes all the way from Delaware Park to the Science Museum. That's one road. That's how we're thinking of it, and that's how we want them to transform their thinking about this. Instead of thinking about it as just, you know, putting it in as a as a parkway, make sure that they include the neighbors that are on that parkway in that conversation. Nice. 
We're wrapping up our time here with Ellen Harris Harvey. I, you know, I, I got to also give you credit as a, as a mom. You, you told me that your, your your son's a civil engineer, Syracuse graduate. Yes. You know, your daughter's an architect. Yes, she is. Wow, yes, yes. amazing. You, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you found time for all that. Well, well you know what? <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it starts in the foundation that you put and that you plant, and the seeds that you you know put in. Once you water them, they will grow. Right. Plant the seed, and God will fulfill the need. Well stated. We'll leave that as our final word. Ellen Harris Harvey, thanks very much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next. Thank you, Jim. This has been Buffalo What's Next. And uh, as you heard earlier, to check out our programming starting tomorrow, Buffalo and Charleston, a parallel journey of hope, healing, and reconciliation tomorrow with our roundtable and then all next week right here on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo. W-O-L-N-O-L-N and W-U-B-J Jamestown, your NPR station.